Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Welcome to the NFL Players Podcast. This is Aeneas Williams. I am excited because I get an opportunity not only to talk to a an NFL player, but also a doctor. We have a doctor in the house. Welcome, Laurent Duvenet Tardif. I'm assuming that's some kind of French. Is that correct? Yeah, but you got it pretty good, man. Yeah, I'm from New Orleans. So the Vuka. Oh, that's why. Exactly. So we have some of that <laughs> French down there. So I'll be able to relate to you just a little. But it is exciting to be here. Your your story, your life is amazing. And as a legend, Pro Football Hall of Famer, when I hear, I see current guys not only doing it on the field, but also understanding that we have the capacity to develop ourselves off the field. And your story, I'm excited to tell. So welcome. Right now you're in Montreal. Uh, tell it. You just you, you said earlier before we went live, you've been speaking French for quite some time uh, uh, lately. Talk about that. I grew up in, in Quebec and Montreal. Uh, my parents, you know, both speak French. So it, it's been quite a transition for me, you know, because when I when I started medical school, it was all in English. And uh, and I remember, you know, recording all the classes on a small recorder and listening to it, like looking at words in the dictionary and that kind of stuff, you know. So uh, so that was uh, that was a pretty brutal way of learning English. Trust me. And then when I got to a football locker room, you know, you, you got all the slang and all the different pronunciation and that kind of stuff. So that was another brutal way of learning English for me. But yeah, I mean, I, I like to say that I speak a language and a half, you know, the, the half being the English part, of course. You know, we're, 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 we're recording this just days before the Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. Two years ago, you were in the same position, getting ready, being with the Chiefs to play the 49ers. Tell us about what it was like leading up into that Super Bowl. Ah, man, it's a uh, it's a lot of noise as a player, <laughs> and uh, 
you know, <laughs> I mean, you don't have a lot of opportunity during a football season. Like a football season is, is 17 games with the playoff and then boom, you play the 20th game and it's the Super Bowl, you know? So, uh, but, but that game, it's more than football itself. It's like, it's a show, you know, and you feel like the whole world is watching. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of pressure, especially on the, on the Friday before the game. I remember I was kind of like stressed a little bit, but then, you know, when you go to bed on Saturday night and you wake up Sunday, like it's all part of your routine. Like, you know what to do and you just show up to the stadium, do your thing. But I, I remember like, especially the week before, like doing all those media requests and interview, like it, it, it kind of like pull you away from the most important thing, which is getting ready for, right. for the game, you know? Yo, I think I buried the lead. Would you like to sing O Canada? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll pass because I don't know it in English, so I'll, I'll just pass. <laughs> All right, so you won a Super Bowl, and you had that experience. Does it compare in any way to the medical world? I, I guess so. I mean, you know, a football game, there's always like three, four, five plays that are game-defining moments, you know, where, where, you know, the stakes are high, it's third and ten, you got to convert, you got to go win the game. I mean, that kind of, like, pressure when you, you hear the noise and the crowd and that kind of stuff, uh, I, get it, it can, I guess it can translate a little bit to, to medicine where, like, especially in emergency room, you never really know what's going to step through the door, you know, and you cannot be distracted by, by the blood or people yelling and that kind of stuff. You got to be focused on, like, airway, breathing, circulation, the same way you on the field, you got to be focused on, all right, third and 10, we're at the 25, cover two safety, all right, they're going to bring that type of pressure, you know? So I, I guess there's some similarity in, in, in your ability as a player to make rational decisions in a stressful environment that translate into medicine. And as a football player, just as you just described, everything is happening. It was really football, uh, professional sports was really the first reality TV so, Laurent, when it comes down to being able to not panic, even though things are happening on the field, how have you been able to be patient maybe to some of the younger uh, doctors who've not had that kind of experience of not panicking? Well, I'm kind of a young doctor myself. You know, right. I graduated and, and, yeah, I got my MD in 2018, and I still haven't done, like, specialty training, so I'm still – pretty low at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to the <laughs> medical hierarchy. But I, I think, I think it's one of my, my strength, you know, as a future doctor and I want to do emergency room down the road after I'm done with football. So that, that ability to like process information, like a lot of information and to be able to prioritize, I, I, I think football for sure is going to help me be a better physician down the road. Plus like football out, you know, off the field and in the locker room, it's, it's such a like, diverse environment where you're exposed to different culture, different way of thinking, different political opinion. And when you treat patients, it's the same way, you know? So being able to like find some common ground and have discussion and, and bring people together, I feel like football is a pretty good example of that in society in general. And I think it's gonna help me also be more, more open, more curious as a physician. Are there any spectacles, anything like the Super Bowl in the United States in Canada. Any comparison? <laughs> uh, the, I, I would have to go back to like the 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 nineteen eighty eight Olympics in Calgary or something like that. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there's anything like like the Super Bowl in the whole world. To be honest, you know, it's right. 
it's the, it's the biggest sport event in the world and everybody's watching it's it's crazy and like i said earlier i think it's it's more than football like it's it's a, it's a it's an event it's a, and uh that's what makes it so special and and so good to win so growing up in canada was playing football in the united states a childhood dream nah I mean, back home here, like right now, there's like two ice ring in front of my house. Like <laughs> hockey is king, man. <laughs> so, so you, you so played you hockey? Weigh, you played hockey? Uh, a little bit, okay. a little bit. But when you're like 300 pounds, it's hard to be a good defense. <laughs> like even on defense, it's kind of hard. So uh, I moved pretty quick to football. But I mean, my my dream quickly became medicine over football when I growing up. And not because I didn't like football, but just because there was no... Like it was not a clear path on how to get there. You know, there was right. no, I didn't know anybody who was playing the NFL. I was playing in college. I had no clue even how to get to the senior bowl or the pro, you know, it, it was, it was so unclear how to get there that it was hard to even dream about it. You know, last year around this time you were not playing. What was that experience like? It was, um, it was tough, you know, especially when your team, makes it to the Super Bowl and you, you're not there to to block with, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the guys. And I never really regret uh, regretted my decision not to play in 2020. I think I had work to do on the front line here in Montreal. Uh, I had to serve my community, but, you know, as the Chiefs were getting better and better heading into the playoff and, and winning the games and getting to Tampa Bay, like, you feel like you should be down there, you know, but... Uh, But it's part of life, you know. You got to make right. those tough calls sometimes. You got to you got to make sacrifice in order to stay in line with your vision. And and I know I'm going to be a doctor for the next 30 years, so I, I think it was important for me to to stick to my conviction in 2020. So when you saw the Super Bowl and you saw one of the challenges was the offensive line in that Super Bowl against Tampa, how did you process it? You you mentioned about it's a choice, but how do you move on? And I'm sharing this for anyone that's listening, because sometimes we make decisions, but sometimes people don't know how to put it in perspective and then continue to move on. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, back in late July, when I decided to opt out, I was the first NFL player to to opt out of the 2020 season. And for me, it, it was clear that it was it was nothing against the fact that we were playing football or that the NFL was still going on with with the season, because mm -hmm. I was part of the on the NFL player uh, association COVID task force that, that put in place those protocols. So I knew that everybody was doing everything they could to to keep the players safe. But I think for me, it was more that 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 argument of like, oh, all right, like after everything I saw working on the front line, do I really want to like travel every second week to a different city and potentially becoming, you know, a vector of transmission for that virus? And There was still so much that we didn't know back then. Right. So I kind of told myself, you know what? I'm going to take the year off. I'm going to keep working on the front line and, and I'm going to go back to playing football. That was kind of my vision, you know, and, and I knew the chance of that not happening because it's such a competitive environment. So when I saw the Super Bowl, you know, four or five months later, I think my mindset was like, all right, I miss it. Like, so let's do everything in my power to get back on track show up to training camp and win a spot and things didn't go as planned. You know, I broke my hand in training camp. Right. I ended up uh, getting traded to the jets, but I, I ended up playing, you know, and that was the whole point. And, and I kind of promised myself, I, up, I opt out, but I, I'm going to come back and I'm going to play. 
And to be able to step on the field after 18 months away from football is such a privilege and it's such a great opportunity. So I'm, 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 really, I'm really blessed um, in that regard for sure. So you have your teammates in the locker room. You know what the football world is like. What's it like your teammates in a medical profession? <laughs> you, you, you mean other students, other doctors? Yeah, other students, um, other doctors. You, you, you can't chest pump. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that was honestly one of the hardest things for me. You know, every offseason, uh, of course, like the scheduling and, 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 you know, moving from Kansas City to Montreal to go back and study in the hospital setting. And that, that was hard. But, but the hardest thing was the change in mentality. You know, you, you go from the adrenaline of playing in the playoff and then losing and then, right. you know, having a whole team of, of healthcare professional, doctor, trainer, nutritionist, coaches that are there to optimize your performance as a player. And then within a week, you're like at the bottom of that food chains in the medical <laughs> world and you're like the medical student and you're part of that team that is, that is now there to optimize the care of the patient. So that was that was tough. That, that, that was always the hardest thing, you know, and, and but at the same time, I think it, it's kind of what kept me grounded, you know, because right. it's a different reality. That's what I was thinking. It sounds like it's something that really humbles or at least causes humility, that experience. Yeah. And you you treat people like when I was doing psychiatry, you treat people with anxiety disorder and and it, it just like. Give you another perspective on the performance anxiety that we 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 have as as player, you know, right. because whether you want it or not, you know, we do have a lot of pressure, and we got to find a way to cope with that. And some people are better than other at it, and I think it's a big reason why we're professional athletes. It's because of our ability to cope with the pressure and to make the right decision in the right environment. It just makes right. you realize a lot of things, you know, and appreciate football even more. Because at the end of the day, you know, we play the best sports in the world, but but our job as an offensive line is to protect so that somebody can move a letter ball 10 yards down the field and then right. restart. Like it's, a, you know, and when you think about it that way, at least for me, it helped me calm me down and just realize that we're playing a game. Right. Anyway, that makes you realize a lot of stuff. What's it been like and you on the NFL PA safety committee and – you're part of the group that's helping make the game safer. Tell us about that work that you're doing. You know what? Uh, my first couple of years in the NFL, that was uh, when the big drama about concussion and the movie concussion came out and all that stuff. And, and I always had to like find a way to kind of justify why I was playing football with my medical knowledge. And, and at some point I realized that it was pretty obvious that that unique position that I was in was also kind of an advantage to to advance the field of research, you know? So I, 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 I use that opportunity to work with the, the big Harvard study that the NFLPA uh, ask and, and kind of like comment on it, work with the, the NFLPA Health and Safety Committee to, uh, you know, better develop uh, devices, protective gear, uh, different protocols to try to make the game as safe as possible. Because, I mean, we, I love the game and I want to make sure that we still play the game 50 years down the road. And, and, it's crazy. Even in my eight-year career, it's a it's a small it's a short amount of time. But right. the, the the change in culture, the way guys approach injury, concussion, it's changing. You know, and in a world like with concussion, it's you cannot 
you cannot like diagnose a concussion based on like markers. It, it's mostly based on player reporting their symptoms. So gotcha. like education is so important, and, and I feel like we're making such great progress. And and for me to be part of that organization, the NFLPA Health and Safety Committee, it really gives me that opportunity to 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 talk about it and to try to implement change. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. <laughs> So as a, as a medical doctor playing the game of, of football, when a player gets injured or you're watching the game and you see a guy gets injured, do you all of a sudden, does your doctor instincts or anything kick in for a second or no? <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. Like, I do ask a lot of questions. <laughs> but, 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 but it's weird because, I mean, as a teammate, you don't have the right to know the – your teammate injury. So, so like right. I, I try, I try to stay away from that because I don't want to get into a tricky situation. You know, uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I try to, I try to be the football player, not the doctor in the locker room. You know, <laughs> we, we have plenty of really good ones uh, working for us. So, yeah. But what about your teammates? Have any come in the locker room and say, Hey doc, <laughs> I, I trust you more. Hey, this doctor yeah. said this. What, what do you say I mean, about that? Do you, how do you handle that? I try to, you know, I always recommend uh, people getting a second opinion. That's for sure. You know, and whether you want it or not, um, as a doctor, you do have the uh, Hippocratic oath. I don't know if I say that right, but anyway, you, you swear to like take care of people, but NFL, you're kind of in a weird environment where like right. you're getting paid by a club and, you, you, you take care of a player and, and I feel like getting a second opinion is, is often like 
what I try to tell the guys because it's it gives you more more information in order to take the right decision for you. And and then I mean I, I love to like sometimes explain some situation like sometimes the guys are like hey I tore my rotator cuff and my supraspinatus is 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 torn. <laughs> what is what, what is a supraspinatus? And I'm like ah it's the muscle right there, bud. And so it's just, it's just good to have those conversations in the locker room. That's for sure. Now, did you have anybody that you saw in a professional sport who had done what you actually did as relates to becoming a medical doctor while playing? You know what? That's that's pretty crazy. I, I think I'm the. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that for sure, but I think I'm the, I'm the first active player to hold uh, an MD, like a doctorate in medicine. Really? But, but yeah, but there, there's other guys that actually got their MD after they were done playing, and one of them was actually our team doctor in Kansas City, uh, really? Doctor GP Darsh. Yeah, and he was he was actually from Montreal and actually went to McGill, what? played eight years in. Yeah, he played eight years in the NFL. And when I got drafted to Kansas City, he was finishing up his, his residency, like his specialty training in sport medicine. So we connected and great guy, really great guy. But yeah, I, I didn't know that until I got there. Uh, but there, there was another guy from McGill who actually got his MD after playing in the NFL, which is pretty cool. So one of the things, the big, one of the big emphasis is, is wellness. What are some of the ways that you've committed uh, to your own wellness as a player mentally or physically? For me, it, it all comes down to like the preparation, you know, the, the routine that the mindset that you put yourself in during the during the year, like on a week to week basis. And uh, I guess for me, it all comes down to like nutrition, exercise, you know, making sure you're on the field, ready to roll and lifting and that kind of stuff and rest. And, and I feel like after like over the years, I put more and more importance on, on rest because I felt like you know, my reaction time was better on the field. My, my, my emotions were more stable when I had a good night of sleep, wow. you know, and, and I feel, yeah, I, I feel like sleep was, um, was the biggest thing, especially as you get later into the season, you know, it's darker when you, when you wake up and you come back home, the sun is already down and being able to have a good night of sleep, eating well, hydrating yourself. I feel like those are all the little things that helped me perform better. Yeah. And from an emotional standpoint and a mental health standpoint, mm-hmm. I've always seen like I I I've been working with a sports psychologist since my second year in the league, and really? and it helped me. Yeah, it helped me tremendously, um, because 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 we're 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 under so much pressure as athletes, we we got to find a way sometimes to decompress and and to find things to help us cope, you know. And at the beginning, I was seeing medical school as um, kind of a conflict of interest because I was I was taking hours away from the gym because of medical school, you know, right. and at some point I started to see medical school as an other anchor, you know, in another sphere of my life mm-hmm. that helped me give me a different perspective on on football and helped me manage the, the pressure better. Anyway, uh, but you got to think about that stuff. Like sometimes we try to, as athletes, we, we think that we're strong and we you know, Get brush it away. Brush and it we're away like, I'm right. gonna, yeah, I'm going to deal with that later. But I think it makes you a better player to to think about it and question yourself. Yeah, it's interesting. When it comes down to total wellness, and if someone or any just a regular person wanted to know what are some of the things that you found out about the importance of total wellness, it sounds like we've underestimated, I'm talking about society, 
the power and the importance of sleep? Because I heard you just mention it. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and at the beginning, you know, I was talking about my routine. I was seeing my routine as like a 12-hour shift kind of deal, you know, but it's really a 24-hour process, you know, right. and sleep is a big part of it. Like we sleep more than we train as athletes. And, uh, and, and it's just the way it is. So you got to focus on that. Make sure you go to sleep with, you know, away from the screen. Make sure you have the right the right bed. Make sure you, you have the right mindset that you keep distraction away. At least for me, that, that, that helped me tremendously to get the right amount of sleep and the good quality of sleep as well. Now, one of the things you mentioned, what was something in your career that drove you to a sports psychologist? In other words, Why? And, and would you recommend that to other athletes? You know, as athletes, we, we spend so much time in the weight room working right. on our, you know, our, on our physical ability. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me that we don't spend at least an hour a week to work on our mental mental ability, you know, and, and we do learn the playbook. We watch film, we study our notes, that kind of stuff. But um, just working on like, okay, you're, you're in the Super Bowl. You, you give up a sack. How are you going to react? You know the camera is going to be right on you. You know, like, the next play is going to be defining in the game because it's like, you know, second and 14. The, the same guy is going to line up in front of you. How are you going to react emotionally? You know, and, and asking yourself those questions and anticipating what might come out of it, I think, help you manage it better when, when it actually happened. You know, you don't want it to happen, but... Right. You know, let's be honest, like the guy in front of you is also getting paid to, to do his job, you know. So that, I think for me, asking those deeper questions that go outside of the playbook and the preparation for on a week-to-week -week basis really helped me react better when adversity show up on, on the field, you know. And sometimes, I mean, you know, like it go pretty quick, like right. you're in a two-minute situation, you don't block your guy well but Pat was able to get rid of the ball quickly. The next play, like he know that he beats you. You know that you got beat. How are you going to react, you know? Right. Um, and I think you, you can really prepare and anticipate those type, those type of moments, uh, and it helped your consistency tremendously. And as we close it out, one of the unique things about the offensive line are your teammates because, yes, you may have a guy that, that gets you or beats you in a particular play, but you also have how important it is to communicate and actually be a unit together off as a line, that's unique. How important is that for players to have an off as a line, so to speak, off the field that helps them uh, communicate, look after them just as an off as a line does organically? I mean, I think you touched on it, you know, like offensive line is probably the position where you, you work as a unit the most. Right. You know, we don't have... We don't have individual stats. Like our only individual stats is the amount of QB hit and the amount of sacks that you give in a year. So, uh, so you, you got to take pride in working as a unit, like the number of yard per carry, that type of stuff, you know? So uh, communication is of course like critical, you know, and you, you cannot have a big ego because you cannot be better than the guy to your left and to your right. Like you, you work as a unit. So that, that, that approach to work, whether it's in medicine or football, working as a unit, working as a team and communicating well, I think uh, I, I think it's going to serve you well down the road as a true position for sure. And sound like the secret is for a lot of players, both legends, former players and current guys, it's really to find a way off the field to model what you're actually experiencing while playing the game. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, that, that's that's well said. You said it better than I. <laughs> but 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 totally. Like I feel like the NFL gave us such uh, a unique platform that it's kind of our job to use it to promote things that we believe in. You know, and some guys are doing it with the right to vote movement, racial inequality movement, and and for me, like my calling, it, it's health. You know, I want to promote health. So to promote healthy lifestyle. Uh, uh, physical activity at the youth level, that kind of stuff. It's it's really going to be my mission down the road for sure. Final question. You were traded. You were traded from, you, we talked about it earlier. What was it like being traded? And I think during the season, take us through that. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was going to be pretty straightforward, like for me, <laughs> but it's way, it's way harder than it sounds. Uh, I mean, for me, I had a no trade clause and, and kind of midway to the season, it was pretty clear that uh, with the Chiefs, I was going to be a backup and I needed somebody to get injured in order to jump on the field. And after I upped it out, I kind of you know, promised myself I was going to do everything I could to play. Mm-hmm. So when the trade deadline kind of like got closer and it kind of made sense to waive my, my no trade clause and to try to look for option and the Jets really gave me that best opportunity to get back on the field. And that's, that's what I wanted. So I said, yes. Uh, but man, that process of like integrating a new locker room, learning the playbook, that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's hard midway to the season and the pressure of like, okay, you got to go on the field and play right. and play at a high level. Um, but, but I, but I enjoy every minute of it. Like the guys were amazing and it's crazy how, you know, Yes, things are done differently from team to team, but at the end of the day, we're all playing football. We're all going through the same reality, and guys welcomed me in, and, and the, it went it went well. Like, I had a lot of right. fun in New York, and I hope to stay there. This has been an amazing podcast, Laurent, and how, how can I say in French, the best is yet to come? Oh, le meilleur est à venir. <laughs> le meilleur? Est à venir. Et Close. You got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Keep up the great work, the work that you're doing, both on and off the field. It's amazing. Continue blessings to you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the NFL Players Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow at NFL Players Podcast on Instagram for the latest player stories and to connect with the NFL Players community. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.